Welcome to another podcast episode um, of Grimdark Tales. Uh, This is a very exciting episode because it's the first time that I've been able to bring on um, an actual guest uh, to the channel. Uh, I have Jesse with me. Hello, Jesse. Hello. Um, Jesse is is speaking with me through the magic of uh the modern technology he's on the other side of a continent and yet we are here in a chat room together to talk about this lovely hobby that we both enjoy um it's very astropaths i thought we were using oh astropaths um well the astronomicon went dark but maybe we Got it back just in time to do this. Po- That's why you haven't been on the channel yet. I hadn't even thought of that. Okay. So <laughs> uh, um, that means the Astronomicon is is alive and well. And uh, Jesse and I are using uh, a team of astropaths, a thousand souls uh, sacrificed every day, so that we can uh, talk a little bit about uh, nerd stuff um, and little plastic men. So... Um, Jesse, uh, we're going to do um, a Let's Talk Tactics episode, the way that we've, we've been doing them previously, where we sort of focus on a specific thing. And okay. uh, Jesse, you're, you're an AdMech player, so... Um, I am. You have a little bit of experience with them, and I am also an AdMech player. I think you have more experience with them than, than me, uh, honestly, because I, I haven't had too many chances to use them yet. Um, but... Obviously, we both have done quite a bit of theorizing uh, regarding the book, and uh, a unit that we both really love, uh, but we're really pining for for maybe some some things that we're not seeing right now are the uh, Sakarian Rust Stalkers. Um, we really love them. We really want to see them, um, you know succeed uh and and live up to sort of how dangerous and scary they sound in the in the narrative but uh so often it seems like they fall flat so we're just going to discuss yeah yeah, the way that we feel about uh the way that they perform the way that they fall flat and maybe some things that could be done to fix them in the future um so let's just uh, get into it. So the Sakarian Rust Stalker—they're an elite's choice for Admech. Um, they actually have a pretty, pretty beefy move distance of eight inches. So for infantry, they're they're pretty fast. Um, but because they're relegated to, uh, like all Admech in the Codex, there is no transport option. So you either have to go to Forge World to get the uh, drill thing. I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Or I think it's a ter- Terax pattern. Yeah. Something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you have to use something like Stratagems or with a specific Forge World to try to shoot them up the table either by Deep Strike or get that free move at the beginning of the game, like with uh, the updated Stygies uh, rules. So... Um, their their move distance and I think their ability... their lack of ability to sort of move quicker via um you know stratagems or anything like that 
that can be a that's a really big detriment for a unit that's toughness three with two wounds and a four up save. And uh, no ranged. And no ranged. I mean, these things <laughs> rely on getting in the combat, and they don't have a reliable way to do that. Um, now, one fix I think that is like a common. This could be a common thing. Is uh, or it, it should be employed as often as possible, and a lot of channels talk about this. Is to employ heavy line of sight blocking terrain, which you know that could let them get up the table at least to a safe spot. And then you're looking at maybe really only like a single turn of movement where they're exposed. Um, right. So that's not like a foolproof way to keep them safe, but it's at least a way to like make sure that you're, I mean, in general, I would say using line of sight blocking terrain, like pretty, pretty extensively is a good way to balance any game since if you don't, it it's kind of just like shooting armies are at a major advantage in this edition um, without that. But, you know, assuming that's not even, that's not an ability you can use as admec. That's sort of, you know, you're restricted to what you have at your disposal. If you're in a tournament, you're restricted to what they've chosen to be on the table for you. That's something you can't really affect yourself. So we want to talk more about like, the actual army and what they can do. So, um, Jesse, you were saying you had a story involving your rust stalkers when you were playing with your oh, yeah. daughter. Um, well, see, I, I never played with these guys during seventh, seventh editions when I, I first got into the hobby and I was, mm -hmm. I was building up the ad mech. Um, but I never got around to playing them. And I remember that, the I think the rust stalkers are kind of one of those units that, um eighth edition has had a lot of armies have had units like this where with the way the rules kind of changed mm -hmm. they they kind of got maybe the short end of the stick i mean they were never i don't think they were really stellar before but they had a way in the in the um in seventh where they would eventually just ignore armor if they stayed in combat long enough so yeah um they they were a little scarier um yeah, I but agree. yeah, I had I had a, a game I played with one of my daughters when I was teaching her how to play, and we just kind of split up my admec armies, and uh, so we were both playing admec, and um, I was playing Lucius, so I was able to use the uh, stratagem to deep strike my rust stalkers, yep. and I don't remember exactly what unit it was I charged, but I was able to make that long nine inch charge. Mm -hmm. And it was either it was either some rangers or it was infiltrators. It was something else that in the world of Warhammer is not that tough because yeah. it's toughness three. Right. And I remember I remember losing one of them to Overwatch on the charge yep. in. And then they got into combat and they didn't kill anything pretty much. And mm. it, it took like two two or three turns before they finally killed the unit they were with. And for for whatever reason, she didn't fall out of combat. And then uh, once they were no longer protected from being in combat. They got shot off the board on the next turn. Yeah. So it was just, they were really super underwhelming. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing exceptional about that story really, because the, the nature of them right now, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that when they made the switch from seventh to eighth edition. And, and I think Jesse, you agree with me that eighth edition is, is by far the superior system. Oh yeah. I, I um, 
way better than seventh. It's, yeah. it's just with the with the simplification of rules, some units just didn't get a good transition. Like our yeah. rust stalkers used to have grenades, and oh right, yeah. so they didn't have any ranged weapons, but they had grenades. And if I don't remember, they were called like mind flare grenades or something. Mm-hmm. They weren't like your typical grenades where they did damage. They were one of those ones that like it lowered like the initiative of your opponent or something if they hit. Right. So it, it gave you like an edge if you made it into combat. It gave you that, that chance. Yeah. And, and in that scenario that you were talking about where you, where you uh, struck them deeply in there, they, they have, you know, a nine inch uh, charge when they arrive and it's, that's already the odds are against you to make that. Right. I mean, that's above average rolling to get a nine inch charge your your first turn. And it's not like once they get in, it's game over. I mean, they're okay just because they have so many attacks. And, you know, for one CP, you can get them hitting on twos. And um, there's a, a chance for mortal wound output, but it's like, it's not like it's crazy. I mean, right. on average, you're with a ten-man squad. You'd be getting like three, four mortal wounds or something uh, per combat right, yeah. phase. Well, and so like you know, the the lore behind it is their transonic blades. Um, they're like trying to find the frequency of the right. armor of their foe, and then once it takes time, but once they lock onto that frequency, the foes don't have armor anymore. And so that's right. what they did in seventh was. In the first round, um, it was like they were AP2 when you rolled a six to wound or something like that. But then when you made it to the second round, they were just automatically AP2. So it was like you had to, if you were in combat with them, you basically had to kill them. Right. um, Or They they were like a a time bomb that you... Right, exactly. And and they still have that where they ignore the armor with the mortal wounds. But with the way 8th edition works, there's no automatic... You know, once the next round goes, and then with with the way that you aren't even locked in combat anymore, right? Exactly. Unless you had a big enough unit that could surround something, like they can just fall out of combat. So yeah, yep. um, it's unfortunate. I mean, it it really does make them feel, I think, underwhelming because I remember in seventh edition that rule for the transonic blades, and I was like, wow, that's not only really good. Um, potentially, but it's also like super unique, and it the the rule sort of tells a story, you know, like it's it's designed the rule is designed well around the concept that they've created in the in the narrative for them. So right. I feel like now with the mortal wound thing, it is simpler, and that's granted that's great in general for eighth edition, the simplification of rules, the idea that you know, a mortal wound potential is like a great way to give a weapon that little extra like zing in a specific scenario. And in, in some instances that would be great, but the fact that without that mortal wound output, their transonic blades have no AP value. I mean, like that's really frustratingly ineffective against certain things because. Right. Well, and then they're not very strong. Their base strength is strength four. Yeah. Um, so, if you take the transonic razor, it's just strength user, yeah. and you have to take the transonic blades to give them a plus one to strength five. So they're still, um, they're not wounding anything that you probably want to get into combat with. I mean, like even my little, my story, like I'm, I was attacking toughness three 
units, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and they couldn't even kill those. So right. it's like, um, yeah, you're basically, if you can get them stuck in, you're just fishing for sixes every round and right. hoping for those mortal wounds. And, and, um, so like, because of that, like I had already built mine with the cord claw cause I just think it looks so much cooler, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like, you almost want to take the cord claw Mm -hmm. So that you can get that potential because it has D3 uh, mortal wound potential. Yeah, I mean, you're just looking, even though the cord claw, you can only get one attack per model with it. Right. And it's strength four. So if you're if you're against Marines, you know, you're you're still only a 50 50 to even do damage. But you're but no matter what, you're fishing for the sixes. Yeah. So and then um, Admech doesn't have any strats or buffs in any kind of way that give you pluses to your wound rolls so right. you're only going to get these on natural sixes there's no yep. way to buff it up where like oh fives and sixes whereas if you take the infiltrators to contrast it mm-hmm. their their rule with the taser goads is that they get um for a six plus to hit it becomes three hits and then right. there's there's stratagems you can use where they can be hitting or getting that exploding dice on a five or a four. Yeah. With the, um, with the, the double, the two CP strat to give them the plus two to hit. And right. If, if you have a, like a, either a dune crawler or a, um, dragoon nearby with the broad, uh, broad spectrum data tether, then they get a plus two to their hit rolls. But, right. um, by, by themselves, they'd be getting that plus one with exploding mm-hmm. on, on fives and sixes. Um, so they have they have some synergy where you can try to buff up what their abilities are, but rust dockers are kind of left out there. Right. Um, they don't have the grenades anymore. Mm-hmm. The the rust docker princeps used to also have, um, I think they called it a data spike or something. There's a stratagem for it now, but it's useless. It's like, oh, if you're in melee against a vehicle, you can do like D three. Yeah, D three more damage or something like in that. combat. Yeah, yeah. Which, Which is, is like you're never going to do that uh, right. with Admech. So yeah, like last time, when's the last time you charged a tank with a Data Smith or something? Like it's just not right, right. <laughs> um, but also, you bringing up the infiltrators, I think, is an important, an important uh, observation as far as like the internal balance issue between Rust Stalkers and infiltrators, mm-hmm. um, because infiltrators you know that they're from the same box it's the same kit so clearly they sort of designed them with the same like anatomy so their their stat line is very similar um but the infiltrators like you said they have less attacks um it's two attacks each as opposed to the three on the rust stalker but they have the infiltrator rule which is like exactly what you want the rust stalkers to have um the uh well you know it's it's almost not even that like i mean i feel like the rust dockers should have something that can help them get to combat it doesn't necessarily have to be a deep strike just because no yeah it doesn't have in the in the in the narrative they kind of almost have like a contrast like the the infiltrators are like these slow moving like they just stalk their prey and they've Mm -hmm. got this technology that like scrambles sensors and causes even organic um, you know, uh, beings like or whatever to have stuff, to have like yeah. their their senses get blurred, and so it, it has the appearance that they just come out of nowhere, but they don't. Like they're just like slowly strolling up. Right. Whereas the rust dockers are like these fanatical like sprinting guys that get in there and then they shred you up. Yeah, they're like 
crazy little knife wielding psychos that are augmentically enhanced and you expect them to like run full tilt and then get in there and start tearing things up. So it it's it is they're functionally quite different in that regard, but what the the problem is that because rust stalkers have no means of getting up the table faster than walking from your deployment unless you're running Lucius or uh, Stygies 8, um, right. then it's very limiting. I mean, an 8-inch move is good, but and you've comp- you've made this comparison before, uh, Jesse, you were just talking about this the other night. When you compare the Rust Stalker to actually something that has a pretty similar uh, function and stat line, which, which is the Tyranid Gene Stealer, um, right. The gene stealers can advance and charge in the same turn, and that right there is like exactly the kind of rule that you feel like the rust stalkers might need to be useful in the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I was I was driving home from work the other day, and it was um, I would just happen to be thinking about rust stalkers and like, you know, just kind of like, well, if, if I could like change the rules to make them better you know Mm -hmm. like what types of things would i do and i was like it would be really cool if you could advance and charge the same turn yeah and i was like i'd even be willing to pay cp for a stratagem for that and then i started when i was thinking about him i'm like wait a second i'm like the gene uh gene stealers have pretty similar stats you know the move is the same yep weapon skills the same um Mm -hmm. the gene stealers actually have one better toughness yes but the rust dockers have an extra wound. So it's like they, they have like different stats there, but they still have like, you know, somewhat of a similar durability. Yes. You know, yeah. rust dockers have a four up save with a six up and vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus gene stealers have, have a five up. Um, you can bring rust dockers in a maxed group of 10. You can bring gene stealers in 20, I think. So they end up with yeah. like the same total pool of wounds if you bring a max, max squad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the there's the weapons are somewhat similar i think the gene stealers have scarier weapons because they actually have ap but they do yeah the, the but you know i was just that... i was just thinking like they're around the same kind of thing and gene stealers are scary they're like not something that people mess around with and, right. and why is that because they can get to you quickly and they so can get fast. into combat and like consider also i think a lot of people and and wisely so a lot of people take Gene Stealers with High Fleet Kraken. And then right. for their advanced roll, they're rolling 3d6 and picking the highest. So right. their Gene Stealers are really cooking along the table. And Rust Stalkers, their damage output not only is like slightly less um, effective than Gene Stealers per, per model, but also their ability to even make it to combat is so diminished by them not having an ability like that. There's no, there's no admech shenanigans that can make their advance be better. It's just like a command point reroll if you want to do that. And right. Yeah, exactly. And if you're advancing them, you're not charging. And it's like, you know, that extra turn of them being able to get shot at, not many opponents are going to have trouble like deleting that unit. As long as it's, within line of sight it's like well right yeah because i mean they're they're toughness three with a four up save so yeah um they're the same know, they're, as they're Katari not hard to wound yeah they're yeah. not hard to wound um even with no ap they've got a 50 50 shot of failing mm-hmm. um and then when you start combining in you know ap weaponry yep. um 
they do have the two wounds, but then, you know, just like with Terminators, you know, you just shoot some plasma at them or, you know, yeah. stuff that does two, you know, two damage and, yep. um, they're going to disappear quick. Yeah, you're um, still one-shotting them. Now, one thing I haven't been able to try yet is the Tech Priest Manipulus that came out. He does have um, a buff that if you're bringing him up the board with guys, he can increase their movement characteristic by mm. one. Okay. And they also, if they roll, if they're within six inches of him, when they roll their advance and charge rolls, they also get to add one to that. So he okay. he could potentially get them up the board quicker, but they still have that that risk of them being so squishy that if they get killed and you don't have anything else to screen your uh, the tech priest, and he's basically a tech priest dominus in, right. in points. So then you've got this big, and it's kind of a waste of points too. The, uh, you got to bring this 90 point model yep. to make your rust stalkers actually effective. Yeah. That's, um, it's a buff. That's not worth it's, it's a cost prohibitive buff. I would say as right. far as like, now, you know, with, with chapter approved 2018 rust stalkers are, pretty dirt cheap they're like 10 points base yeah and then and then their weapons are either two points or four points depending on which well actually the, uh, take that back it's five points if you take the stock load out of the razor and the cord claw mm-hmm. um, the razor's two points the cord claws three and then you have to replace both to take the transonic blades which is four points right so they're they're still around the same points they with their weapons they end up costing pretty close to the same price of the electro priests mm-hmm and the electro priest, the the fulgurite ones, I believe it is. Yeah. Yes, the ones with the staves. They're they're actually the probably the the scarier uh, CC unit. I would to add mech have. I would definitely say they are. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a known strategy to sort of uh, create, and and it's gone a bit out of fashion since they changed the uh, Stygies, um, uh, uh stratagem the unique stratagem for them oh right yeah yeah and I um, just get like a, a free move and yeah stuff. but it used to just be that if you know you could choose if you had first turn or not you could choose to just deploy them wherever um but then you would still be able to move after you did move and they, charge yeah. yeah so like they they basically had like a guaranteed char- first turn charge if you got first turn and um they they it's that's just that inherently is is incredibly strong anyway but then the fact that you can have this blob of uh what is it 20 priests i think total yeah you can take up to 20 yeah so you have 20 a group of 20 priests and if they just them making combat is a bunch of mortal wound output Mm -hmm. then you have if once they've killed a unit they have a three up invuln they already have a five up invuln and they ignore uh, wounds on a on a five up also so they have these like redundant durability yes they're only toughness three with one wound but a three up invuln is nothing to laugh at and the fact that right. they are then ignoring wounds still on top of that and then when you look at their weapons their strength five just like a rust stalker with a trans with the trends on blades but they're ap minus two and they do damage yep. d three and on a six up they do d three mortal wounds i mean yeah, That's they basically crazy. do this. They have basically the same rule as the Rust Stalkers now, where on a six to wound, you change the damage into mortal wounds instead of the normal damage. But yeah. they've got the better, 
everything across the board is better on them it's when just it comes better. to that. Yeah. Um, and if you had a unit of, you know, 20 dudes, when, when they charge a unit, you roll a D6 for every electro priest you have. Yeah. And then on, on sixes, it does mortal wounds. So, um, on average, you're getting three mortal wounds. You can't wounds ignore them, unit. especially once they get the three up and vulnerable saves. Like, exactly. You can't ignore that unit. They could just they could kill units potentially just by charging them without even that, doing any attacks. That unit was, I mean, when it was sort of in vogue to to do that when back when Sigis functioned differently, that um, units of twenty of those could bring down a knight with uh, oh, as yeah. long as i mean like it's just <laughs> it's crazy how much damage they could do in a single round of fighting and especially if you use the um what's the uh canticle is it reroll ones in combat or something um there uh, is well, one combat there's one, one yeah there's one that lets you reroll um failed hit rolls of one in the fight phase yeah. um uh if you take uh what is it? Forge World Ryza. You mm-hmm. can re-roll wound rolls of one mm. in the fight phase. Yep. Um, yeah, and then there's the if you happen to be stuck in, there's mm-hmm. that there's that electro electro priest kind of one where like you can potentially do mortal wounds. But that, right, that can happen exactly. with any unit that happens to be in close combat. But if you've got a unit that can actually get into close combat yes. reliably. Yeah. And, and also with 20 electro priests um now chances are you're going to lose some of them making the charge but yeah you if you roll high enough on your charge you also have a much better chance of surrounding a unit where they can't even break out of combat with you and then they're just stuck unless they can fly (laughs) right exactly and it's just yeah it's just a different it's crazy i think how much better the priests end up being on the table and i think that that's really uh, a bit of a tragedy because I feel like rust stalkers on on paper or in the in the narrative are supposed to be roughly of equivalent level of like terrifying um right yeah well I mean it, it seems like throughout the book they kind of separate cult mechanicus and Skatari stuff into the where they 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 function very differently and and they I like that it's it cult mech stuff seems to be kind of like slow methodical yeah. they're not quite as good at hitting mm-hmm. um but they're still potent just like the skatari stuff and the skatari stuff tends to be kind of quicker moving yeah um everything's kind of squishy across the board for the most part um, yeah but generally more i think accurate. the exception of the battle servitors they're they're pretty beefy for mm-hmm. troops um but it just like lore wise, because that's the other thing too. Is it's like it's it's great when the rules are able to kind of accurately portray how the the narrative works on exactly. the table. Yeah. And rust stalkers. I mean, even even at their reduced points now, they're. I mean, I'm going to still bring them in my games just because that's that's the way I've always done done my lists. I, yeah. I do them more narratively speaking. I'm kind of like. Uh, Brom from Warhammer, he always brings Terminators because <laughs> he loves Terminators. Um, I'll yeah, probably always cool bring Rust Stalkers, yeah. but it's just it just is a shame that it's kind of like a waste of points in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 so tragic that you're basically making a willing sacrifice of your right. well, I mean, potential. There's there's so once someone has experienced how weak they are, yeah, <laughs> they don't even need to 
they're even not afraid of firepower to them. Yeah. You know, other other than them maybe getting into combat with something that can shoot that will shut down the shooting for a turn or something. Exactly. Like that might be the only time they devote attention. But until they get to that point, they don't really need to even waste time. Put so you can't even use them as like a distraction carnifex or something. Right. It's it's more like um you know a lot of units or a lot of armies or. An army like Astra Militarum, for example, is so great at uh, screening because they have these cheap infantry units. And, and basically what they end up doing is putting bodies in between themselves, their, their choice targets, like their tanks and stuff, and the enemy that's trying to get into combat to, to mess up their battle line. And the Astra Militarum, then they like fall back and can then shred whatever unit was sort of locked up in combat or the unit right. wipes a unit of guard and then it's standing in front Blown off the table and stuff. Turn. Yeah. But the, the way that rust stalkers work is that they're so ineffective um, with damage output that you don't even have to think about wasting ammo on them the next time a turn, you literally can just leave guard locked in with them and right, right yeah it would, would take be... them forever it would probably take them all game just to eat through a full yeah it could take them like three turns like to take out yeah it's yeah. it's it's crazy because you're all the guard player would be doing is well inevitably the guard player will probably actually kill them in combat as weak as infantry are just just from weight of dice it totally could happen yeah it totally could happen <laughs> especially <laughs> if they're catastrophic and they're wounding them on threes it's like <laughs> right there's just there's there's so many ways that rust stalkers can disappoint you and i i hate saying that because i really think that they're incredibly cool right. well i mean and they, they're they're not just cool like the models are cool too like i mean yeah they they've got these like really crazy legs and they've got these sick looking claws and sharp blades and yeah i love the even, way that even their masks are really menacing looking yeah they know? look like they're wearing like um I don't know if you ever read like Hellboy or something. There's like this character who's like wearing a gas mask all the time. He looks like really intimidating. Right, yeah. Weird. Yeah, they all look like they're wearing gas masks. Yeah, they all look like sort. that dude. And and like there's some horrifying like body modification happening under it. It's not just like a mask over a person's right, face. Right. Well, the lore is like that they they scour the remains of the battlefield and they pick up all the like rangers and vanguard that were particularly effective right and all they have left are like a couple stumps <laughs> and then they like affix even more you know um crazy looking arms and legs augmentations to them and then they get to live again instead of just getting thrown into the incinerator so it's like it's this really grotesque horror aspect to it and then they're yep. they're supposed to be these really scary um you know assassins yeah and even the transonic blades are supposed to make this like sickening hum sound yeah, or like something this, when you like, get near him where it's like people are like ah what is that yeah it's like it, it's like a nauseating like thrum that like makes people actually like physically sick to be around like i love right there's there's so much like visceral horror to the to the nature of rust stalkers and i think that they're they're also indicative of like a really fascinating part of the adeptus mechanicus like um, culture, which is that despite the fact that they tout logic as like everything, 
rust stalkers are clearly like a product of rage and like anger and i think that right um you know it's it's such an interesting like uh dichotomy that the adeptus mechanicus would would sort of like logically imbue rage in in a unit like that but it it does seem like that's their intention they they choose like you know like convicts and like the most psychotic killers so that they can in these you know machine hybrids can inherit that <laughs> anger and like right, rage right exactly and, and i think that's like so awesome and so unique about the admech that it's something that i think makes the 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 lore of 40k in general so awesome is that they would like even choose to create um a, a culture as as strange and alien to us as the adeptus mechanicus even though they're like still human at their core or whatever right um, well it's it's almost it's almost uh similar to chaos in a sense where a lot of the chaos have like their cultists yes and yeah. then they just use them as like cannon fodder and it's almost kind of the same way like the Adeptus Mechanicus is interested in technology, but it's like most of the people that actually know the tech are the tech priest guys. Right. And then exactly. all these other, you know, Skatari guys and the battle servitors, they're all just like, they can be anybody. They, they, they say yeah. that they, in the lore that they're like prisoners or they're just, um, population, you know, people that they rounded up or yep. that they could be deserters from Astra Militarum. Yeah. They got, caught and then they turn them over to the admech and then they you know do their thing to them and turn them <laughs> into you know cannon fodder there was even um uh, i think it's agrippina mm-hmm. the forge world agrippina they have a blurb in there about how when people were fleeing from K- uh, from cadia yeah when they were under siege like the four they were they, so they were just stealing refugees. people yeah. right yeah, they, yeah, yeah. The, the people are like <laughs> escaping from the chaos that's that's attacking cadia and agrippina is just like Hmm. Yeah. let's turn these guys into reinforcements <laughs> yeah there's just a bunch of there's a bunch of free resources here like why yeah it's it, it's so funny that these are the good guys in in the the grimdark that is 40k you know like right these, these are one of the quote-unquote good guy factions well see, that's one of the things i like about the admec too that that i love about them is, is not just the the crazy like weird science kind mm-hmm. of steampunky yeah you yeah. know cyberpunk look to them um, you know, and then I was always fascinated with Mars as a kid. So it's mm-hmm. like, so that, that's cool too, that the origins come from there, but with them being lumped in with the Imperium, yep. uh, like some of the, you know, like dark angels, you know, sometimes are kind of interesting because they have their own agenda. It's kind of the same way. Right. Like they're, oh yeah, they're for part sure. of the Imperium of man and they help out the Imperium by, you know, giving them weapons and, and building their tanks and, you know, keeping everything going but they have their own agendas and they do their own things and they sometimes keep the better tech to themselves i mean like i think we talked about it before where the the rangers their galvanic rifles are basically better bolters essentially yeah Yeah, Um, they've got longer range they have the potential for ap minus one on a on a wound roll of of a six yep um but uh, you know it's it's like okay you've got these little toughness three foot soldier guys that have better guns than than the <laughs> space marines you yeah know? the the highest ranking like soldiers of the of the imperium basically or the the most uh you know frontline shock troops and they're given 
less effective weaponry than right yeah right and, and then it's if just you compare them to guard where essentially you know from a stat line perspective they're pretty much the same as guard except they're better at shooting yeah um but then they've got much better weapons too you yeah know? i yeah, mean yeah. even even the vanguard with their strength three weapons they're assault three so it's oh like, yeah so, and, a, so and a six to wound causes two damage so clearly right, right, a yeah. radium carbine is is a much more potent weapon than a las uh, las gun in most instances for sure right um, yeah. not to mention in, in the lore the radium carbine essentially causes like cancer and stuff uh, you know like oh, right yeah the, the <laughs> vanguard themselves are basically radioactive yeah like if you if you spend time if, fighting them you know later on in life you'll probably you start right noticing yeah they you're not they doing talk too about well. them dying faster and part of it's it's because of the guns they carry so yeah. um yeah it's it's funny funny it's stuff. just there's just so much great like stuff like that about the adeptus mechanicus that makes them so fascinating and i i love the relationship that they have with the high lords of terra and how strained it's been at times um and it, they're clearly such disparate groups you know the the admec and the rest of the imperium and it's clearly just an an alliance of convenience and oh, you know definitely. shared survival it, it, it's not one of shared values and it's not it's not one of like they there's no moral compass that's like you know, shared between these, these two oh, groups. I mean, even within the Mechanicum, like yeah. some of the forge worlds are like, like you talked about Stygies eight, like, yeah, you know, they're, they're referred to as like the Xenorites, but I mean, even within Stygies, there's a small sect within them. Yeah. That like is fascinated with Xenos technology and they, yeah. and even they're outcast and, you know, looked down on by the rest of their forge world. And but then what's so crazy about it is they in the in the codex they even talk about how Stygies Eight has gotten in fights with the Inquisition and the Death Watch and fought yeah. them off. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. because they brought all this attention on themselves from studying Xenos tech and doing all this and that. And then they have um uh, I can't remember what, what department it is. It's like the off officio administratum or mm -hmm something something over there that the that like all the inquisition has their document documentation and stuff in. they've actually like oh infiltrated the, the database progenitum is that no i don't think it's them I, it's in the codex somewhere but there, there's okay. basically somewhere where they keep records they keep all these records okay and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah and stygies has actually sent in like basically like a virus it's like an ai that <laughs> scans the logs for anything that might implicate them and then scrubs it from the it. record <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and so, so like, like they've done that that you know they've had the death watch come out and try to assault them on yep. their forge world and they've fought them off yeah and then they're they've also figured out how to to enter the webway yeah it's like they've done all this crazy stuff and it's like and even they're looked down on by you know like mars and some of the other forge worlds because that's heresy tech heresy <laughs> yeah you know yeah. but it's just it's just so vast within you know, just the Warhammer universe and overall is just a very vast place to kind of make your own story for your guys if you want. And then, yeah. You know, some some factions, I think, have uh, if, if you follow the lore, they kind of have a little bit more restrictive, you know, yeah. setup of what's going on. But I mean, with within the ad mech, you can pretty much do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. And I think that there's 
I think that that's honestly the beauty of the hobby. I've talked about this to you, uh, like directly, but, but I, I think that there are different kinds of players of this game and I am strongly of the opinion that the hobby is what you make it and, and that there is so much to be gained and so much joy to be had from developing your own story for these things. And if you deviate, if you do house rules and stuff to make that stuff work to me, that's what the game is about. The rules are a guideline, but the fact that this isn't a video game means that you essentially have like the mod tools to a game. Like you can have the, the ability to modify it at your, at your whim. As long as you're playing with people who are okay with that, um, it really does let you do stuff like that. So if you play Sakarian Rust Stalkers and you go, hey, what if we just play tested that Sakarian Rust Stalkers can advance and charge in the same turn and see if it feels imbalanced? But I think most likely it's just going to feel like they are maybe doing their job a little bit better. Um, yeah, they'll be able to make the charge and then they're going to still bounce off. Whatever right. I mean, it's not like they're going to just clear through the enemy line. They're not that mm-hmm. good. So really it just gives them a chance at least to like, you roll some dice in there. Right. You know, with, right. As opposed yeah, I mean, to just, I, I get what you're saying about, and that's one thing that like my daughter and I have, when we were playing, mm-hmm. we would kind of like do our own little house rules on stuff too. And that's one thing that I think is, is key with the hobby is no matter what, yeah. I mean, they even write that in the rule book, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, as long as you guys agree, do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. But but I still still kind of wish that the rules had a better like foundation for that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I still kind of get the... I understand where people could come from, where it's like, oh, well, you know, because, oh, is he trying to gain an advantage? You know, even right. if you're playing a friendly narrative game, and I'm still going to bring bring them in the lists I play. But it's it's just funny when narrative unoptimized list versus narrative unoptimized list and they still do terrible it's like come on you know and and i would like the ad deck to have more than just basically shooty castle options which it seems like is mostly what you see i mean they and they have several close combat options i mean you've got two types of electro priests although one is i really don't know why you would ever bring the corpus Cari the shooty one <laughs> electro priest because i mean essentially you have so like you have the rust dockers and the infiltrators mm-hmm. the corpus Cari are kind of like the infiltrators to the to the electro priests they're the, yeah, the yeah. shooty ones that have like that extra two hits in combat um yep. but yeah this like they're they're they don't have the the same rule uh, for the right. for the where they can get the increased invulnerable, no, um, no they so don't. they're not quite as good. I mean, Sidonian dragoons are probably the best close combat option that you have. Yeah, I would say so um, with the taser lances. Yeah, um, the robots with the fists, I think, can can do some work if you switch their battle protocol. But oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, they, they once again it, it, they have the challenge of getting up the board. I mean, they're definitely more tough. Yeah, but They're, you know, especially with the fist bots, like your mm-hmm. opponent's going to see them coming, and right. at some point they're going to start focusing on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the robots too is that they demand your attention. Um, 
which in a way makes them better still because Rust Stalkers, the fact that right, right, the yeah, opponent can ignore the opponent them, can just means laugh at them. They never have to waste <laughs> ammo on them or anything. And then right. the the robots though demand that you deal with them, and and in that way they are, they're you know they're like the tank unit in. Uh, in like an RPG or, or like a D and D or something, they're well, your tank. Yeah. Like, like, well, I mean, they they would make they would actually make a useful distraction carnifex. Exactly. If you wanted something, because you know they're tough enough that you have to devote some serious firepower to take them down. They're not so tough that they're gonna that they're not going to be able to be destroyed. Right. Um, and they're and they're scary enough that like despite the fact that they only hit on fours in most instances, they could just pummel a tank into into debris, you know, like they they have the potential to right. do that much damage. Well, so. and and just with with what we've talked about before with some of the stratagems. Yeah. There there's more synergy to help them do what they need to do where it's like the rust stalkers don't they don't really have a problem hitting. No, yeah. They need they need to get their wounds going. It's so, about damage. I mean, yeah. so they either need some some buffs, yeah, um, where they where they get some rules, you know, borrowed from other other books that are you know things that function in the same way as some other units that do fill a similar role, or they need to kind of have somewhat of a rework on how how the transonic blades work. Yeah, I, I you know, think that's. I mean, pretty critical i feel like the transonic blades should really have an ap value um even without the mortal wound uh, aspect the the way that they used to work where they eventually just started ignoring armor i think that that's more to the point of what they are supposed to be doing right and, well, and we I mean, see I that know rule. some of that some of that was also like the lore was written in a different edition so yeah. just like i've seen sometimes people complain about the start collecting boxes like why are these units together it's like right. well, those start collecting boxes were built in a different edition right and in some exactly. cases the units operated completely differently so that was kind of how they were grouped and organized and they just kept the contents the same and then the rules change and they don't quite make sense. And so it's kind of the same way. It's like, you know, streamlining the rules rather than, you know, because there is some bookkeeping involved with, well, how many turns have these guys been stuck here? I can't remember. You yeah. know, so I see why where they simplified it there. Yeah. But then, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the the whole lore behind it is, oh, well, once they've been there long enough, like it's it's locked into the frequency. Yeah. You know, look out. And so they need something. Yeah, <laughs> something the, the, to make their attacks scary. The rules don't currently demonstrate that idea. They they really don't. What they, what they seem to demonstrate is just that like there's a chance that while they're passing through frequencies, they will hit the right one, but they don't stay on it once they right. Find yeah, it. it never it never locks in. Yeah, it's oh, just sort we've, of we've fluctuating. Got the frequency now, it just it <laughs> never quite sticks. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, think we had it. Chief, just... we'll find it again. It's like right. <laughs> Yeah. When I was even just thinking now about witches, uh, uh, you know, dark elder witches, like yeah. you can't just, you, if you try to fall out of combat with them, you have to roll off with the opponent. And so yeah. there's a chance that you might not fall out of combat. So, I mean, even something like that, where that it's like, would be maybe, a really cool maybe they're not like super scary, but like they could tie you up and you might be stuck there. And so yep. then like, now you got to duke it out with them. Exactly. Like, I mean, even... I feel like if you could pretty much do anything and it would help them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm even willing for them to get, you know, points increase again. If, if something can be done to make them 
usable. I mean, sure, yeah. It, at least with their points now, they don't feel. I mean, and with the fact that like Admech got points drops across the board, like my Which is great, yeah. My list that I was building my army based off of originally was over two thousand points. Yep. And then it dropped by like three hundred and fifty or something like that. And yeah. so now I now I can make pretty um how was the word um i can make a brigade at, at about 1750 points that has a lot of variety of types of units you know yeah. it's not like it's heavy in one or the other it's a not necessarily a take all comers but it, it'll have you know troops for screens and objectives it'll have shooty castle dune crawlers it'll have mm-hmm. dragoons that can move as well as rust dockers and infiltrators so you can have some kind There's of a lot of diversity close combat pressure or something although it's not anything that you're going to be worried about yeah probably but um maybe the the word you're looking for is is like duality like the the army can take on right more right, than one yeah, thing kind of it has different roles and functions you're, you're yeah. not kind of stuck with just a single build yeah exactly so uh, an example that i have of like house ruling something to make it make more sense this this conversation just reminds me of something i'm always thinking about which is um drop pods for space marines so (laughs) (laughs) currently drop pods are like actually just a a piece of trash that you shouldn't take if you have a brain but at at the same time (laughs) drop pods in seventh edition were a defining feature not only of space marines in the rules but they've always been historically a defining aspect of like the character of the space marine army um the idea of the steel rain of an army of these elite warriors dropping out of the sky right on top of the enemy like basically just breaking the nose of the enemy force instantly that that is like why space marines are so intimidating it's not just that they're these mega soldiers and armor and with big guns and stuff. It's the fact that they, they fight with the, they they attack with that sudden ferocity. And right now drop pods don't give you any additional benefits because they can get you up the table with the way that deep strike works. Now they can get you up the table, essentially no faster than a rhino or, or a similar transport. Um, Plus, they don't have the utility of like being a mobile unit like a rhino, right? Um, and and having all the other benefits of a rhino. Plus, they can't carry um, things like centurions anymore, and they obviously they can't carry primaris. There's no primaris drop pod, and and the whole book seems to be shifting. The whole uh, faction seems to be shifting towards primaris. So there's a big question mark of like. Are, are they ever going to get something besides a repulsor that can transport them? And currently a drop pod is not, it's, it's one of the things that cannot carry them. So drop right. pods, you know, you're paying and, and granted they've gone down to what, 70 points or something, but they, and they used to be, I think 105, maybe I can't remember what they were, That's but still they, way too much for it's what still you way can too put much. in them. And yeah. then, and then if you do drop them down, they've got that cool rule where the guys inside can get out the same turn. Sure, but yeah. you almost don't want to. It's almost right. like, well, I'm just going to keep them in here <laughs> so that they're protected. <laughs> right. And then you want to, like, I don't know. The next turn, if you could keep them in there, you would want to, like, then move them, you know, their full distance, and then you could get maybe a successful charge off. But right. the the thing that I was thinking as a house rule for drop pods 
buff their points back up to what they used to be, and then make it so that they can drop within six inches, or uh, just outside of six inches, instead of just outside nine inches, then suddenly you're in range with things like flame template weapons. Um, You're you're, in melta range. You're in melta range. You have have all this stuff, and, and your charge suddenly becomes you know, on the positive side of luck to make. So if you drop in a unit with the intention of doing a close assault like that, you're in range with all of your beefy stuff um, right off the bat. And I don't think that's broken because Space Marines aren't durable enough that that unit couldn't then just be wiped off the table the next turn. Um so it it creates a situation where it's like a very high risk, high reward thing. Where right, right, can, yeah. Elite armies would probably be the ones that would have the hardest trouble defending against that. Anything yeah. that's like a horde army, yeah. Like if that was the way the rules worked, you know, because that's one of the things that's kind of fun about the way the game goes is sometimes people think about the rules in a vacuum, like oh that's broken. Well, but it's like, but if you knew that the drop pods did that, and right. you saw that your opponent was bringing drop pods, you would. Screen you just your units right. It. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. otherwise, you're inviting that to happen. Exactly. You, know, you would make sure that there's you know good enough spaces that they can't quite get it down. Yeah. You know, so they're going to have to come down on on targets that they maybe don't necessarily want to. Like if they had exactly. if they had a choice. Exactly. And and just because it's affecting the way the enemy deploys or moves or maybe doesn't move because of they're afraid of what will happen turn two, it's. Right. That that isn't broken. It just means that that's well, a benefit mean, of the unit, you know. Earlier, you talked about how like the Stygis stratagem changed. Like yes. that was kind of what that did. Like, right? Exactly. It was a deep strike that happened before the first battle round, but after you figured out who was going. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it was powerful. But and I I'm trying to remember who it was that I watched a bat rep for. If it was if it was Winters or if it was uh, Liam on Morehammer. Mm-hmm. But I watched one of those two, and their opponent was Stygies, mm-hmm. or it might have been Winters, and he did it one of the few times that he did something other than Mars. Right. But he he spent the uh, the points on that, and I think it was just Vanguard that he. But it forced his opponent to change up how he deployed his units because yeah. now he couldn't he couldn't leave certain areas open exactly just in case, and then that guy got to go first. So Winters just put them in his own deployment zone somewhere, but it was still a valuable spend of CP because yeah, now your a, opponent knows that like if they don't get first turn yep. and they leave an opening, especially with a unit like, you know, rust stalkers or, you know, whatever. And I don't remember if the restrictions were limited to infantry. So I don't know if it was like, you could put something like dragoons down. I know you but, could put but no matter robots what, down. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah, because Plasma Sam did that a few times. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you could you could use that as kind of like a chess move almost. Like, yeah, exactly. It's 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 a way to keep your opponent's footing uh, off, and and that in itself is worth say a CP spent or whatever. Right. Or or it's not even keep their footing off. Make force their hands to do something that they maybe don't want to do. Like maybe yeah. the mission. Maybe the mission is this, like get all your guys over here 
but then they've got to put this unit over to protect their flank. Yeah, if they know that because you, could you do might that. have something that you could put over there that could they could give them trouble. Exactly. And and then the cool thing is is like you know who's going before you have to make the decision on where it's going. Right. So yeah. like, you know, you can force them to put down a, a unit over here and then you just put it in your deployment zone yeah. where you were going to anyways. Yeah, but you've made them react to it and that's the power of it. And I think the problem with drop pods currently is that they don't really do that because they only have a normal deep strike potential, but then there's there's no additional benefit. And there are so many ways to get that same ability without spending points to do it. Well, I mean, you could even, I mean, not to try to steal stuff from another army, because we talked about this before we started recording, where mm -hmm. like, you know, arm, at the beginning, it seemed like a lot of armies kind of had the same chapter tactics. Coming yeah, out. It yeah. was like, oh, here's here's the, here's the default ones that everybody will have one of. Yeah. You know, and it was very cookie cutter. And then they started kind of making the books unique and everything. But like with the genes or not gene stealers. Uh, yeah. Gene stealer cults mm -hmm. with their their ambush thing where you like you deep strike them, but then you like roll a die and they get to move that much closer, you know, even yes. something like that where like say a drop pod. So it's still random. You don't know exactly how far it's going to come down. It right. might only be one extra inch, but you know, imagine if you could, you could come in like another four inches. Yeah. And, exactly. Or you roll, you rolled and got a four or something. You could come in that much closer and get your guys out. Like, you know, and it's, it's definitely one of those things where um, I think, a couple armies having a unit or two that could do something like that. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't take away from the gene stealer cults because their entire army can do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but you would still get some units in other armies that could kind of maybe give them an advantage for bringing something. I mean, it's, I, I kind of feel like Tyranids kind of need something like that with the Trigon and the Moloch, how they like yeah. burrow up from underneath. Cause it's kind of like, Oh, here's this unit that has this narrative way I mean, I know like on the tabletop, it still functions the same as, as teleporting in or whatever, but mm -hmm. it seems like it should be more of a threat because they're like burrowing underground and then they right. surprise as they come up and it's still the same distance as normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Moloch is really weird because its rule is basically that it can come in closer and it does like mortal wounds to things that it appears near potentially, but then mm -hmm. it just has to sit there for a turn and you can't charge with it. It's it's yeah, a weird... so it's like it's left with its pants down after exactly. It it's like it's, it's it's cool that it can do mortal wounds, but the the degree to which it is, you know, left high and dry after it does that to me makes right. it more like a, a a weapon being deployed than a unit because it's so likely that it's just going to die the next right. turn. Now was it more the like... same unit? In, was it was those were they the same unit in seventh where they would put like a template down when they burrowed up? I remember yes. there being something like that. Where yeah, would... when the Moloch came up, it would it would create yeah. a, like a blast template, and then anything caught in it would take a bunch of damage and stuff. Which yeah, was I feel, very cool. I feel like that worked you know better back then, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like I don't miss templates. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some of the rules, the way they translated them, so that they kind of had some of a similar effect, didn't quite work out as well as they could have. Yeah, I agree. the The idea of like blasting a flamer into a densely packed blob of of I don't know termagants or something and getting one hit 
it's it's very strange the the way that you know you would think that maybe you'd get an additional d6 for every 10 models in the unit or or something like that to compensate for the fact or that, or even just like a roll two and pick a pick the highest if, yeah something like that kind of, you know some kind of a uh well i mean the what is it the the demolisher cannon yeah it goes up to d6 on, it kind of has something a mechanic kind of like that where it's exactly. like it's got this AOE, you know, blast to it. And if you're shooting it into larger units, it's more, more effective than if you're yeah. shooting it into smaller or single units. It's weird. Yeah, something, have... something like that could work. Cool. Yeah. I, I, one of the other reasons I don't miss templates is because of the way that the game mechanics work with coherency and stuff. People would deploy their units. Oh, totally. Into I mean, these things that don't look, I mean, people still kind of do that with, the, with auras where they leave this tail stringing back or whatever, but yeah, yeah. But more more often than not, now you see people bunching their squads up like how they would look if there was an actual battle going exactly, on. Exactly. Yeah. And since I like the games to also tell a story, to me that seems more important. It, so it I'm definitely really is glad that those are gone. Yeah. But not to mention they could cause arguments and. Sure. Yeah. I mean. Oh, well, it scatters this far, and what exactly is under it? Now it's right. now it's pretty pretty much more cut and dry, which it's is pretty... kind of the same thing with the line of sight. With the yes. true line of sight, but that's one house rule my my daughter and I did mm -hmm. because we just did not like the the fact that your tank could shoot something through a little tiny window, mm -hmm. you know, that's on the other side of you know they could shoot a unit on the other side of the of the board because they can see through this little ruins window. So we we actually ended up playing at home with the the old school seventh uh, edition line of sight where you ignored things like wings and. Mm weird objects and then like uh we just kind of had like a further house rule that like vehicles and tanks right couldn't couldn't shoot through like ruin windows but infantry could because it's like it doesn't make sense that they would be shooting this huge cannon through here without right. like blowing up the building if yeah miss. yeah yeah exactly yeah and and i think uh you know that speaks to what i was saying about the beauty of being able to house rule things but also you're you're right that the game should be it should have internal balance like if if games workshop is doing their job correctly the game should have internal and external balance without us having to house rule things so that's why you know jordan gets so frustrated with things when he feels like they're imbalanced because he feels like that's the responsibility of the game developer right. to make sure it is yeah and yeah i mean i get that and it is I think, but yeah. at the same time this this game system is so complex and exactly. there's so many different interactions i mean if if you were going to be able to in a you know balance things perfectly yeah i, I mean I know video games are different, but I mean, even look at a game like, say, StarCraft, which is mm -hmm. very similar and probably influenced by Warhammer. But yeah, you only had three factions in that. And so within that, it, even then, they still had trouble. They were constantly, oh, well, let's change how long this item takes to build. And let's yeah. increase the resources on that, you know, and exactly. trying to t and tweak stuff out and and any game system, no matter what, is going to always have metas. There's always going to be certain things that in in the pool of players you play with yeah like with the way the matchups work things. right with the way the rules work there's always going to be something that's more efficient and better yep. at what it does than something else and yep. then so then you, the game developers if they're trying to 
I mean, hopefully they're always making a little bit better balance mm -hmm. across the board, but there's always going to be this shifting thing where there's always going to be something yeah. that ends up working. So like, you know, they tweak this down and then something else tends to shine yeah. you know, and become, become the go-to thing. Yeah. And I think, I think that's just it. Like you said, it's just the nature of the game. It's, it's the nature of a game this complicated. I think given how complicated the game system is. I really do think Games Workshop is doing an amazing job. I think oh, um, they they are responding at a at a speed that is unprecedented. They're they're responding at all, which is like, mean, like three years ago. Yeah, previous that. editions, you'd be lucky to get anything, and you know it it like I I didn't play during seventh. Mm -hmm. because i hadn't built an army up enough yet but i i paid attention i watched bat reps i yeah. you know you know math hammered stuff out mm -hmm. you know and thought about stuff here and there and I've, I've always been into tactics and things like that but you know people have talked about it from back even now they were like it was whatever was broken at the beginning was broken the entire time and yeah, so it was yeah, like yeah. there was never a well eventually games workshop is going to make changes. And then at, at the next tournament I go to, or, you know, even, even friendly pickup matches, it's like, yeah, you know, the, the guy that's running this, this faction, he's going to do this, yep. you know, or if you see him taking certain, putting certain models on the board, you know exactly what he's going to do. And it's right. like, if your faction or your army can't respond to that, you like, it's almost like, well, let's just shake hands and roll a die. It's just game over. Hands. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the, there, there was no conversation around, what is Games Workshop going to do to fix this? Because seventh edition, once all the codexes were out, it became a static rule system. And if you even got a codex during seventh. Exactly, and the the meta only shifted when like a new formation came out, basically like that. <laughs> oh right. And yes. and formations were like the bane <laughs> of ba of game balance, basically. And and I love so much what they're doing with these new specialist attachments because right, I feel it like makes you capture... pay for that. I feel like they capture exactly. That's I think that's the reason why formations were horrible. Was right. it was it was free you're buff. getting buffs. You're getting buffs for free. Yeah. Oh, you just brought the right units, and they were always units that were good to begin with anyway. And it was like, oh, just spam this unit. Like, yeah, oh, thank you. I was that. already doing that. I was already doing that. Now I get buffs on top of it. It's crazy. Like, it, it, yeah. like I remember the Admech one because at the time. You mean where you ignore where you you're yeah, free? No, yeah, all your... you know you know exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, Cult Mech and Ad Mech were released as like two two factions. I think it was yeah. kind of the, it was kind of cool the way Games Workshop did it because they didn't have to develop a whole full army, even mm -hmm. though they were kind of from the same overall background, but they were like mini armies. So kind of yes. like these, yeah. kind of like with uh, with the Shadow Spear that just came out, how you had like these little mini decks, like it was the Vanguard like, Primaris. Yeah. It was like two mini decks and. The cult mech stuff had the canticles of the Omnissiah and the Skatari guys had this other thing where you could just pick each battle round one of six different buffs. Yep. And it was basically there were three of them that buffed your ballistic skill and there were three that buffed your uh, weapon skill. Yep. And you picked which one you wanted and you could only use it once. Yep. Well, there was a formation where basically you took at least one of every unit from both sides <laughs> All of them got the canticles, and I think the cult mech also got this the doctrina, yeah, imperatives. Yeah, yeah. So basically, both sides gave the other side their special rule, yep, and then all of your upgrades were free. All of your upgrades and equipment 
were free. And I mean, on top of that, in a, in an addition where plasma always got hot, yep. your plasma didn't get hot. So it was like, <laughs> now you ignored any penalty or reason to not bring plasma or to think yep. twice about it. And they, and the plasma calibers were also assault three. Assault three. It was so also, they were yeah. much more powerful. Nine uh, plasma shots was, in a unit of infantry. Yeah, oh my it God. Was, it was just, it was like, who... <laughs> Who thought, Who thought of that? that up? Who thought and it was okay? And that's where Games Workshop got the obvious, you know, <laughs> reputation that it was just to sell models. Because here you have this brand new model range. Yeah. And if you buy one of everything, or <laughs> <laughs> then you get this amazing formation. Right. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, like that was that that army essentially gave you like 500 free points to play with like it, it, oh, it's it was, just oh it gave you more than that it, yeah depending on what you brought because i mean i remember crazy. building lists and going oh like <laughs> every every single vanguard squad's taking three plasmas yeah and then i'm taking uh you know all the ranger squads are taking arc rifles or transuranic arquebuses and you're yeah. taking the biggest weapons on your dune crawlers everything and has the biggest gun everything every every dragoon or iron striders bringing a phosphor serpento with yep for for free it was just that was the most ludicrous i mean like you know everyone complains about the riptide wing granted mm -hmm. it the riptide wing was stupid it was ridiculous but the fact that that particular admec one is like unbelievable like i can't believe anyone came up with that and then it got okayed like that's just crazy right but yeah so anyway all this is to say that um there are things that we wish we could see for the rust docker to make it different if you think the same thing if you want to try house ruling the uh the advance and charge thing if you want to maybe if you have other ideas for what you think would be a really cool fix for a unit like that that needs help um let us know like comment in the discord or anything and send a message to us we'd love to hear other options and what you guys think would work really well so um anyway that's the conversation for now we've we've rambled on long enough um but uh, I thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on. This was super fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hopefully we can do this again in the future and, uh, and uh, have more people on as well. This is, this is a really fun concept to me. Um, and we'll have more of Jordan in the future, of course. Um, oh, which, by the way, I love you, Jordan. <laughs> um, he, I think he might know that by now at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And uh, until next time, uh, we will talk to you then.